Hi everyone, this is Andrew from Stage Whisper. I wanted to let you know that the interview you're about to hear was recorded back on February 23rd. So if you hear some dates that have already passed, don't worry. But we really wanted to make sure that you heard this amazing conversation with this incredible artist about this show that we got to see at the Frigid Fringe Festival. And more importantly, if you get the chance to see her work and support her, that you do so. So, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. Welcome back, listeners, to a very special episode of Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. We have an incredible guest joining us today. We have Lorelai Zarafia, who is the writer-performer of the show A Scar is Born. This show I just got to see at the New York Frigid Fringe Festival, and she has two more shows still to come on Friday, February 24th at 8.10 p.m. and Monday, February 27th at 6.30 p.m. Both are at Under St. Mark's and tickets and more information are available at frigid.nyc. So with that, let us bring on Laura Lai. Welcome to Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. Hello. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm really, really happy. I am so happy to have you join us. I had the immense pleasure of seeing your show on Saturday, on our, yes. on our technically our second day of covering the Frigid Fringe, but like the first full day, the marathon day, if you will, that was like, you know, 12 to 12. And your show was so much fun and so just I, I I don't know. I can't reach for the word right now, but it was great because it was this beautiful show that transcended language, which was great. There was a there's this, you know, it was bilingual, had musical numbers in it that were just so clever. What I loved is I just did I I could just sit back, watch, and I totally understood what everything was happening, and I escaped for that hour that we got to spend with you. And I was like, I love all of this. It was a masterpiece. So I am being very vague and I'm just painting, like throwing paint at the wall. And I'm sure our listeners are like, what the hell is he talking about? So why don't you tell us a little bit about what about your show? <laughs> I'm really glad when I hear that because it's a little show. Um, it's true that it's not my language. I mean, I'm French and I'm from Paris. And doing a one-woman show in English is it's a little crazy, actually, because I have a very strong French accent, you know, and I should just shut my mouth. But uh, I don't know why I just go on the stage and do it, you know. I, the last thing I should do, maybe, but I do it. <laughs> <laughs> I love challenge. <clears throat> so, yes, and, and you know, I it, it has to be bilingual because because French is my first language, you know. So I have to 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 have some moment in French. I mean, it's a, it's it's an obligation almost, you know, because I think in French, I mean, more or less. Um, even after 13 years in America, I arrived in 2009, so it has been 13 years as I'm Amer- in America, but I cannot lose my accent. It's impossible. You know, I try, I try very hard every day. I take um, a pen in my mouth and I, and I um, um, articulate every word. It's, it's useless. My <laughs> accent is impossible to lose. And I, and I know that now, and that's it. <laughs> There's nothing to do. <laughs> 
So I think I, I start to accept uh, who I am with my differences. And uh, this little show has been to Orlando, San Diego, San Francisco, to Tucson, London, and New York. So it has been, um, I, had, I am like a little train right now, and I have little stops all over the world. And after San Francisco, I realized that that show, people like that show, you know, and now I'm not ashamed anymore of who I am and what I do. I, I realized that some people like it, you know. And I also realized that you cannot be liked by everyone. Some people will like it. Some people may not like it. And that's life, you know. And I start to accept uh, things now and I and I feel better in my skin. Yeah, I start to feel good and confident. I mean, confident, not, not, maybe not confident, but I feel... I feel less ashamed of myself now. So if, correct me if I'm wrong. This is a show that follows an, an open call audition, right? Yes. Now, how did you come up with this show? You know, this audition, these many vignettes, these scenes that this this young actress is doing for this audition. How did you come up with the idea for the show? Okay. So two years ago, I uh, was contacted by an agency, a talent, a talent agency. And they were interested uh, uh, in uh, having me uh, in their uh, agency. So I did an audition. And as soon as they took me uh, in the agency, they hired me two years ago in Orlando and Miami. As soon as they uh, hired me, I started to audition every day, three to four times a day. So I was on the camera three, four times a day. Hello, I am Lorelai Zerifian. I live in Orlando. I am five foot three and I will perform. So. For a year, more than a year, I did maybe 100 auditions, you know? Or, or no, maybe in six months, I did 100 auditions. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> it was just obsessional. Every day in front of the camera, hello, I am Laura. And and one day I, I had to write a new show. And I just started the show by, hello, I am Laura Lizarifi. And I live in Orlando. I am five foot three. Because for a year, I did that on camera. Yeah, because because I work for that for that agency. And actually, just before you, just before our interview, I was doing an, uh, an audition. <laughs> <laughs> and That's again, hilarious. I was like, hello, I am Lorelai Zorifia. And uh, what is funny in that process is that I never got a, I never got a, a, a role yet. Uh, so I did maybe 150 or maybe 200 auditions right now because it has been almost two years and nobody has hired me. <laughs> <laughs> so God. and even for French, even for French roles. So that's why my uh, my show is a little bit sad at the end when um you know when the casting director tells me he loves me, but they need to change things around me. Right. The the yeah. Netflix person comes on and that, yeah. And it was it's so smart when you bring all that in. You know, and uh, I am almost 50 years old now, and uh, for all my mm -hmm. life I heard yes. It's good, but uh, yes, but where can we put you? You know, wh which category can we put you? And now I'm almost 50 and you know what? I don't care. The, I don't care where, where people want to put me. I just do my stuff. I travel with my suitcase, my little props, and I do what I like. And that's it. And I don't, I don't have to justify anything. I don't have to compromise anything. I am free. I don't make money, but at least I do what I want. Yes. Amen to that. Yeah, now I have accepted who I am. You know, it's, it's, the only good thing about getting older is that we finally accept who we are and we don't apologize for who we are. Yes. And 
we try to improve ourselves. I mean, I know I have many faults and I should continue to improve my faults. Of course, I don't want to say uh, everything is acceptable and who I am. But at least the songs I write and the style I have, I don't have to apologize anymore, you know? I'm done. I'm done apologizing and 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 trying to to compromise or to beg to be accepted. I, now I just do that little show. This little show is a is just a mark of freedom. And even in the festival, I see that sometimes it's it's accepted. Sometimes people say, "What is what is that show about?" They don't really understand. But what I notice is people who like to read, who like poetry, who like they they like the show. I, I noticed that people who are very into reading like the show. So we've got this great show about an, uh, an actress auditioning and the kind of putting it together ultimately to be told things need to change. What has it been like developing the show? A scar is born. Whew. That's a that's a very f- that show is really a scar actually because I just before a scar is born, um, I was uh, I wrote a play called Frigorific. It's a very, it's a short play with a woman alone on the stage with three fridges. And that woman is overwhelmed by the noise of the fridge. And so in 2022, I played that, that frigorific in Los Angeles, in New York, in Orlando. And I was transporting my fridge with uh, UPS. So I had three uh, cardboard, cardboard fridges. Uh, to to fly uh, from New York to Orlando to Orlando to Los Angeles, so it was costing a fortune, and I had two uh, digital assistants in the play, Siri and Alexa. So I had three fridges, two digital assistants, and I had plenty of props, and so that play was great. I loved it. I, I really loved to to perform it, but it was very expensive to travel with all those props. So I said to myself, I'm going to continue traveling but I'm going to get rid of all the props and I'm going to write something very short, very easy. And I will have just a little suitcase with few props, like I have in the show, a little tie, a little hat, a little sweeper. That's it. That's all I have. So I learned from uh, from my play, Frigorific, I learned to be uh, more free, not having any props and just like things... Yeah, the process should be easier for me. So yeah, so after that play, Frigorific, I decided to to work by myself and to just do a little show shorter, less props, no props, almost no props. And um, then I applied for the lottery at the Fringe, um, all in the Fringe, and I won again the lottery, so I had to write a new play. And I had just a few months from December when I won the lottery to May 22. I had a few months to write a new play to start the Orlando Fringe in May. So Oscar is born. Uh, yeah, I had to really go fast to write that. Wow. I also want to see this. What was the name of the Fridge play called? Oh, yeah. Frigorific. It's a, it's something I really like. Unfortunately, it's a little heavy to 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 play. Yeah. Yeah, I can only imagine like trying to bring fridges in that space under St. Mark. Like, no, no, no. Like, that's got to be a lot. Is there a message or thought that you're hoping audiences will take away when they see a scar is born? Hope. Never give you neg- never give up your dream. Because each time I do an audition, people tell me, yes, but, but I continue, you know? So don't, don't really listen to knows you know when i hear no i hear yes i'm a little crazy maybe but when someone tells me no i hear yes 
So don't give up your dream because someone tells you no. That's a beautiful message. You know, all my life I heard no. So I should not, I should absolutely not be here in New York doing what I do. Absolutely not. I should have listened to everybody and just stay home, you know. But uh, no, because I try, I try to stay home. But you, the dreams follow you. If you give up on your dream, they come back to you. They get in your back and they push you. And I, I gave up my dream many times, but it was like a ghost. It was behind me. And uh, even if I ga- um, gave up, they came back to me and they pushed me again. Go, go, go. Yep. And that, that's very funny because I gave up, honestly. I really gave up. When I was 40, I said, that's enough, enough. I am 40 now. I have to stop. So, and I stopped. But somehow everybody was telling me, you should do one woman show. You should do one woman show. Plenty of people told me that. And slowly I get back to, I got back to my dream (laughs) again. So it's impossible to give up a dream because they, they, they are like ghosts and they come back and they, they hunt you, you know, they hunt you. Yeah. Um, Well, my last question for this first part of the interview is who do you hope have access to your show? Well, really anyone, anyone who like, anyone who likes language, anyone who likes the sounds of words, poetry, even people who don't like that. I mean, they can, for me, oh, the sounds of words is like music, you know, it's really music to me. And um, when I, what I love the most in poetry is the sounds of words first, not the sense of the poem, the sounds of words. And the French language for that is very nice. I remember when I was 20, I was uh, reciting by heart the, the Flowers of Evil by Baudelaire, uh, uh, Rimbaud, Arthur Rimbaud. I learned by heart hundreds of poems because, because I love the sound of words. It's really a fascination that I have with sounds of words. So who, anyone who likes, who likes to hear stories, sounds of words, poetry, and jokes. I, li- I love laughing. I love jokes. Love that. I want to shift things now a little bit more focused on you and your experience in the theater. Cause on our show, we talk about not only shows, but our experience in the theater. So I want to start by asking you what shows playwrights or composers in the past have inspired you. When I realized the, the day I really realized that I could do one woman show in English, because when I was 20 years old, I was doing one woman show in Paris, in cabarets in Paris. But when I moved to the U S I completely uh, forgot the, the idea of doing one woman show because it was not my language. So for years, I, it, it was not in my mind. But one day I was casted for the vagina monologue, you know, by Eve Ensler. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to do that play. I, I, um, I did an audition for a musical. They didn't take me, but they said, we would like you to do the vagina monologue. So I go, okay, well, but. I was, so I was on the stage every night. I had a, a small monologue every night. 
And that's, it was in 2014 in Florida. And that's when I realized that I could do my own material on the stage with my own, my own writing, my own, my own show. So that's moment, that moment where I did the vagina monologues, I really realized that I could do one woman show in English. So for me, it was a very important moment. 2014 at the Enegar Center in Florida. Wow. Yeah, that's an important moment because I had no clue I could do one woman show in English until I did the vagina monologues. And here we are, what, nine years later, and you've got this incredible show, A Scar is Born, and who knows what else is coming, you know? That's amazing. I have to ask, have you seen any great theater lately that you might be able to recommend to our listeners? Yes. I had the chance a month ago to be in Tucson, Arizona, and I was playing uh, my show, Oscar is Born, at the Temple and Music and Art on Scott Avenue. And I was playing in the cabaret, so upstairs. And downstairs, there is the big theater, the big proscenium theater. And I met, by coincidence, I met the house manager and he told me, would you like to see the glass menagerie we play tonight? I'm saying, okay, great. I went to the dress rehearsal. It was an extraordinary performance. Directed by uh, Chanel Bragg. It was wonderful, the glass menagerie. It's my favorite uh, playwright, uh, Tennessee Williams. Because there is a lot of poetry in Tennessee William. Yeah, it's very poetic. And 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 so I saw twice. I saw the, the I saw the dress rehearsal and I saw the the first night of the glass menagerie. And it was enchanted. So yeah, that's my last experience. I love that show. And I I agree. Tennessee Williams is such a love his writing. Another writer who not only just beautiful poetry in the language, but in the rhythm of his of his words. There's just, there's a certain pattern that it has to be delivered in. Uh, it's like Shakespeare. Otherwise it doesn't work, you know? It, it has to be delivered at a certain speed and a certain rhythm or it's, or you've messed it up. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh yeah. So I was so lucky to to be there at that time, you know? It was extraordinary. So that's the last production I saw. And I went to London just after that, the, the same week I went to London to perform Oscar is Born. And I was in a festival called the Vault Festival. And I saw two plays that were really good, created by an artist. Yeah, it was beautiful. So, so it was original, original show, um, original show that never been performed before at the Vault Festival. The Vault Festival is extraordinary. If you can go one day, they play under a train, a train station. So the train passes every <laughs> 10 minutes and there are plenty of theater under the train. And I played there. I had two shows at the Vault Festival and it was just amazing. Yeah. I have heard of this before and I don't remember who had told me about it, but it sounded amazing. That and the Edinburgh Fringe Festival are the two big ones I really want to go over to the UK for. You know, it was funny because at my, at my rehearsal, I'm like, I cannot play. There's a train every... And then the next day, there there was a strike. So when I did my show, there was no noise. <laughs> so I was so lucky for two days, there was no train. So Secretly, that, that's how they planned it. They're like, we're going to make sure there's a strike. That's how we stop the trains. Oh, yeah. Stop this. <laughs> what is your favorite part about working in the theater? Huh. I'm going to tell you which one is it. So when I arrive, when I discover the theater I'm going to play in, it's always a different theater. So it's always a different identity, a different history, you know. The theater has a big history. 
And I arrive in the theater. I see those little velvet, red velvet seats. I see that curtain. And I am, I am transported in another world. And then when the technician set the light on me, I'll be honest with you, for me, it's like a spiritual light, the light of God going on me. And, and I feel, I feel blessed by those lights. For me, those lights are like diamonds, you know, they shine and they come on me like that. And that's it. That's, that's when for me, the, 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 the spiritual voyage, voyage, I don't know how you say, voyage. Voyage, voyage. Voyage, sorry. The spiritual trip starts is when the lights, when the light starts and I start to say my words, there is a, a fusion between my words and the light of the theater. And that fusion brings me to paradise. It's a sort of synesthesia, correspondence between the words, the sounds of words and the light, like two senses, you know, the sounds of the words and the light, the, 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 the touch of the light on me and the sounds of the words. And with those two senses, I'm transported to, to paradise. I'm not joking. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I, I'm going to be up front. I'm stealing all of that, putting it in a book, because that was beautiful. No, really, that, like, if ever there was the perfect answer, that was it. That was so gorgeous. Like, the minute you started talking about it, I was like, go on, go on. As the light, oh. the light of God. You know, I'm not a religious person, but when the lights are on me like that, and my feet are in the wood, you know, on the stage, the wood stage, and oh, there is a sort of a moment where I am, it's a transcendence, you know, the, the um, oh, yeah, I'm sent to paradise, gosh. Uh, it's a correspondence, correspondence between the words, the sounds of words, and the light, and it's the, 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 the trip, the trip starts. And you know, at the beginning of the show, I speak about I speak about diamonds and how I grew up in a jewelry store mm -hmm. and how I discovered the not I was not in love with the poetry, uh, in love with the jewelry, but I was in love with the poetry of the of the jewels. That's how I discovered jasper, sapphire, uh, all those words. Actually, I fell in love in uh, with the words in a jewelry store. So um, I really, um, the diamonds, diamonds are, uh, are the light or so, you know, represent the light in, in the, that stage light or so, it's the diamond. This is a perfect segue into my favorite question, which is what is your favorite theater memory? Well, I have many, many, many. Because I started at six years old, I was a little ballet, you know, ballet dancer, ballerina. And I did my first little show when I was six. And I was in a, in a show called Coppelia by Leo Delib. It's a ballet. And I was a little doll, uh, like an automat, you know. And the magician uh, Coppelia was uh, waking up the, the little dolls. So I was that little dolls waking up and moving like that. And that's my first contact with theater and with stage. And that's you, you, what I just told you about that connection, but at six years old, I got it. I got that um, supernatural connection with theater when I was six. The light on me, and I was that little doll, that little automat. Uh, automat. And, and with the music of Leo Delib, that was it. I, I discovered paradise at six. Oh my gosh, I love it. On the it. stage, 
But then I, I abandoned it. I abandoned it for a long time. And then I found it again. My my main problem in life is that I um it's things are not constant. They they come and they go and they come and they go. But that makes for an exciting life, though, to be fair. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that wonderful memory. And I hope that it inspires our listeners, especially those who are younger that got bit by the theater bug, who felt the power of that light, to continue to maybe go back to the light, if you will. Are there any other projects or productions that you have coming on the pipeline that we might be able to plug for you? During the pandemic, I wrote my first musical called Vive la Différence. And it's about Provence. It is set in Provence, where I was born, in the village of Provence. And I would love one day to have that show uh, produced because it's all my childhood. Provence is, uh, Aix-en-Provence is a very... uh, it's a region in France that has a strong identity and uh, we have costumes, we have food, we have, uh, there is a strong culture in Provence and the show is represent uh, that culture, that identity, that I was lucky, I was lucky to grow, grew up in that culture when I was a child in the 1970s. I remember wearing the costume of the Provencal, uh, Provencal little girls. So I wrote, uh, I wrote that show called Vive la Différence. And uh, my dream, my biggest dream is to see that show one day. But uh, I need a lot of money to produce that because there are a lot of singers, a lot of decor. I mean, a lot. We can do that small, but there's some decor and costume. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to do it, you got to go all out, though. You yeah. know. <laughs> So any producers out there who are listening, we've got a great new musical out there for (laughs) you. (laughs) And that leads me to my final question, which is if uh, our listeners want to get more information about A Scar is Born or about you, perhaps they want to contact you. How can they do that? Instagram is really great. Lorelizar, L-O-R-E-L-E-I-Z-A-R. That's the Instagram. That's the easiest way, honestly. When I have shows, I am a lot on Instagram because I post, uh, so I, I can check every day my Instagram. I like Instagram. Otherwise, there is the Facebook page, Lorelai Zorifian. Uh, I have a Oscar is Born page or so. Lorelai, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me, to share with me. This has been so much fun. Truly, I, I'm over the moon about this. I, I want to see your show again. I can't wait to see what you do next. You are an incredible performer, an incredible poet. So thank you so much for sharing with us. I hope we get to speak again. Oh, you're so nice, Andrew. Really, it was an immense pleasure. And well, you're more than welcome to come back. I have two other shows. I'm sure you're very busy, but that would be an immense pleasure to have you again. Thank you so much for listening to me. And you understand everything. That's great because with my accent, sometimes people don't don't get anything. And I saw that you really understand everything. So I'm really glad. Thank you so much. Thank you. Merci, merci, comme on dit. My guest today has been the writer-performer Lorelai Zerfia, whose show A Scar is Born has two more shows here at the New York Frigid Fringe, Friday, February 24th at 8.10 p.m. and Monday, February 27th at 6.30 p.m., Both shows are at Under St. Mark's, and you can get tickets and more information by visiting frigid.nyc. And if you can't make those shows, don't worry, everyone. 
just head over to Instagram and follow her at Laura Lizar. And you can get all the information about this show and all the other many projects she's up to. You can contact her. I am sure this is not the last we'll be seeing of her. She is so creative. She's got some great stuff in the mix. So make sure you follow her. Make sure you see her. And oh, real quick, don't forget, the Frigid Fringe is also available for streaming. So if you're not in the New York area, you can also stream the show. And that way you don't have to miss out on this beautiful work. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies and keep your masks on and keep talking about the theater. In a stage whisper. Thank you. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you.